Did Swedenborg have any dialogue with Jesus? Did the angels help us find and connect with our soulmate? Does Swedenborg mention suicide? Will we be able to see God when we pass God away? God is omniscient, and why would How he can someone you? gain Do heavenly reward? Is the afterlife more lined up? God is so Why can Swedenborg tell us anything about our Hey everybody, welcome back to Spiritual Questions Answered, which I feel like right away sets the bar pretty high. Like, I don't know if we're going to answer these questions, but we're definitely going to do our best at it. And who are we? My name is Curtis Childs, and I'm the host, and this is Cara Dom, Latin consultant for the New Century Edition. Is that what you're? Yeah, Latin consultant for New Century Edition. You do a great job. As you can sort of already see, yeah, we got Jonathan Rose right there. He's a series editor for the New Century Edition. And then we have Chelsea Odner, who's a writer on Swedenborg and Life. Thanks, everyone. It's great to have the panel back together, and it's great to have all of you uh, where you are and and actually interested enough to ask questions, so let's at least give them some some uh, the, the college try. What are they, the college try? The, the, That's right. right. Let's see what our first uh, let's see what our first question is here. So this one comes from Ellen. She says, "I'm assuming that the spirits that are stuck between the physical and spiritual are the ghosts that are seen. Is that correct?" Thanks. So if you just stumbled upon this show and you didn't know what it's about, that's the kind of stuff it's about. Um, and, and this is fascinating because we're like, uh, we're, we've got a show in the works about this very thing. Um, so if, yeah, if this is your first time watching the program, you're going to see us comment on this kind of stuff like it can be known. And thanks to Swedenborg for all that. Let's give our best, uh, our best guesses. So Swedenborg, does he ever use the term ghosts? Does he talk about getting stuck in between? Can we help Ellen out a little bit here? Mm. I'm not starting, mm. so <laughs> actually I'll start. Sure, okay. um, and so yeah, so we start at a disadvantage because so we sort of hear the term ghosts, meaning like this is a an apparition that you can kind of see even if you don't have regular spiritual experiences. They seem tied, but they seem to be very physical world involved. Like they're tied to a particular place or a particular event or, or you know some kind of crime that was committed. And mm. Swedenborg, he's so lucid with spiritual experiences that he was like you could say he's seeing ghosts all the time that he's be in physical mm-hmm. places and hear and see spirits reacting to those things so where would what would he have to say about where, where where's his line drawn like what what's a ghost versus what's not this uh stuck between the physical and the spiritual he hasn't mentioned that but there's certainly a lot of stuckness i mean hell in general is this stuckness on the sensory level i mean not that you're on the physical level but you're obsessed with sensory impressions and the kind of imprints those have on a mind mm-hmm. right so so there's there's sort of an analog to that there and not to give away our ghost show stuff he does report like spirits making the candle flicker and that kind of thing so there does seem to be just this slightest of bridge between these worlds that supposedly never communicate via correspondences was that did that buy you guys enough time that was good <laughs> that was good almost enough okay. so, so those are a couple of initial thoughts yeah, I guess the only thing that I uh, can comment on, I guess, is this idea that there are spirits that are stuck between the physical and the spiritual. And I'm not sure if that is, I don't think that's really, that's not anything Swedenborg talks about. Um, so you sort of have to go at it from a different angle um, in terms of, he says that when our spirits pass on into, we all first enter what he calls the world of spirits, which is this intermediary plane that is not 
heaven yet and isn't hell. And so there's still a lot of mixing going on between different qualities of people and stuff. And people are starting to figure out who they are. Um, and he says in that plane that people are, um, you retain your earthly memory for a time during that time. And, but as you go on into heaven or hell, you, that earthly memory goes dormant and you, um, just experience the spiritual world as it is and what qualities it has. And so I would only think that that, you know, one thought that comes to mind is that people who are in that intermediary state can, um, they are, I gather from some of the different like things that I've read in Swedenborg that they can be interested still in what's going on in the world. And they want to, you know, like the, the, their interest in this hasn't gone dormant. And that's not to say that angels that are in heaven aren't also Right. totally interested in our lives in this world at the same time. So I don't, I can't really but a different speak way. to that, but right yeah. in a different way where they, where you even still, you know, look the way that you did when you were in the world, you know, you haven't sort of fully entered your spirit. So does that yeah. spark yeah. any further thoughts? It's good. And part of what this makes me think of is the um, idea. It took me quite a while to catch on to and what Swedenborg says that there's actually a, uh, a full version of the, physical world in the spiritual world so uh but there's a lot more there as well so he talks about there being a city of london with streets and shops and and whatever um and uh so that one mechanism of this uh in on the one hand swedenborg would say that you know spirits are spiritual people with physical bodies are physical and so there's a separation after you die but there are levels of the mind and there's a lowest level of the mind that he calls natural or earthly. And that, as you were saying, Curtis, that that you can be stuck on that level and, and find it difficult to, to move on. And so I wonder if that's part of the mechanism here and then how does that impact this world? But I certainly think that's where the, the, the ghost, you know, that whole, whatever you want to call it, a concept or phenomenon or something that, you know, where that, where that comes from yeah. is, is spirits in the world of spirits. I'm, I'm thinking like one of the most satisfying things that you can do is get credit for something someone else did. So because Karin already went through, who's <laughs> yeah. like managing the chat right now, went through and did some research for this stuff, which I've read. So I'm going to act like I already know all this <laughs> stuff about Swedenborg's ghosts. Do you guys know that in Swedenborg, he talks about a spirit or a group of spirits that, and I'm paraphrasing a bit, but there was a certain little object, like a little teapot, right. that their thoughts were like, involved in somehow and that they were pleading with Swedenborg like don't get rid of that teapot right we won't be able to think in the same way right so because there's a lot when you start to talk about ghosts and things um there's a lot of talk of attachment to physical objects or an object can be cursed or something like that it seems like even in even in his published works in in true Christianity uh he talks about the fact that if you sleep in a church at night, you know, where there are a lot of graves oh, really? in there, that you would be obsessed by the the the, the spirits, spirits that are there of those people who, <laughs> who researched that one. And and and, uh, <laughs> and and that there are certain kind of spirits that hang around bathrooms. Right. Which, you know, you can almost feel when you go in some of those places, you know. It's like uh, <laughs> what was that? I, mean? yeah, right. <laughs> I I know I think it also was thanks to Karin's research um, that, uh, and, and maybe this was for another show, I can't remember, but the, 
something about how Swedenborg was describing a hammering. Is this ringing a bell? Yeah. And when the hammer right. went, he would hear. You could hear it. We did have that he would in hear one the show. Sp- that we, yes. The spirits yeah. talking. Okay. Right. We, right. we animated so there you it. Go. Where I was like, I, okay. I don't know if anyone at home has seen yeah, it, right. but I was yeah. hitting the yeah. hammer and said, yeah. this Morgan life is a good show or something <laughs> right. like that. <laughs> But that was from a spiritual experience of Swedenborg's, I guess. Yes. Yeah. We're, that's right. We're very that's coherent. In S E in S E W E. Did you want to say anything? I I know. I was, you know, this is a great time to pass. But <laughs> but this but this actually touches on a very important part of Swedenborg, which is that it seems like the the explanation of reality that he lays out is one that interfaces with just about everything that people report actually right. goes on right that you could have a lot of right. like religious worldviews that just discount it or or yeah. or a materialistic inner uh worldview that just discounts it and says you, it, it, you didn't experience that yeah, everyone's they right. everybody's ever reported across all cultures you're just making it up but swedenborg lays out this very um you know organized systematized view of reality but yet he he has these within that order. Here's what it would explain all this. He just hints at it because he's got so much to go into. But here's what would explain yeah. and fit all those experiences into it. That's part of why I think Swedenborg's got to be onto something because he line he he accounts for a lot of the data that people talk about from the right. Life. People and, often ask us like, does Swedenborg ever talk about this? You know, like maybe twin flames or you know all these different terms that we people have for spiritual things now, and he doesn't. You know, he was writing in the 1700s, so he doesn't have the same terminology that we might use for things. But like you say, since he's describing the actual, you know, way that the spiritual world works, you can then dig into what he says and see, oh, then, yeah, this might be what ghosts are like and stuckness between the worlds and this kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, And one additional thought, if I may, is that uh, the how you go from sort of an external state to an internal state in the world of spirits sounds like it is according to your own like when you're ready to move on type of thing so this this stuck thing may be that you've got stuff you're working out yeah you know kind of thing i think that maybe where this concept of the stuck but you used one of your additional thought cards okay (laughs) we'll get three you only get 14 more all right let's go to our next question thanks so much ellen for that one uh the next one comes from Grace and she asks, "How do we know spirit is actually contacting us through dreams, mm. or if it's our mm. imagination? Mm. <clears throat> because a lot of dreams are weird and relatively incoherent. So, how do we sort that out? And and what I would ask is, well, what is our imagination, and what's the difference between that that and spirit <laughs> and in the, the first place? World, yeah. Oh, that that does bring to mind. I think it was in our Where Dreams Come From show that." Even if, even if things are appearing in our dreams, uh, you know, that are just random images and stuff, often they can be somehow coming from the spirits that are around us, you know, mm-hmm. in, in our right. psyche or whatever. And so even though we might not, we're not seeing those spirits in our dreams, it's somehow a sort of mixing of, of things in our minds, um, potentially. But, and my, my thought about as far as like, how do we actually know is just... Uh, in a way, I think the quality of the feeling that comes along with it can give, you know, like you can sort of trust your feelings about something. And and I'm, I don't know if this is the way other people think, but I guess as a lifelong Swedenborgian who has been raised with this idea of like, there are 
um, spirits and spirits can communicate to us through our dreams and this sort of thing, but it's not something you go out of your way to experience. There's a little bit of like, I kind of have a grain of salt with all of them unless I really feel like, no, there was something different about that one. You know, Mm. so like just anybody showing up in my dream is like, probably that's not an actual spirit or something. It's somehow my own process being visualized for me unless it just has this like more intense feeling to it that feels like, oh no, okay, that was definitely outside of my, yeah, self. Yeah, the ancients had this idea of the gates of horn and ivory that your dreams come through. And it was the idea that some of your dreams are true and some of them aren't. Mm-hmm. Uh, very interesting, you know, when I read that after studying Swedenborg and then going and studying the classics to find that there was a kind of similar idea that, that uh, some of your dreams uh, are from a, a useful place or something like that. And, and some are just working through your day or, or whatever it might be. And uh, to me, uh, one of the indicators is really, really hard to know. But uh, one of the indicators uh, is if it's useful, if it teaches you yeah. something, if it sort of haunts you and it like won't let you go. So many dreams just slip away. So you can hardly remember them five minutes later or you... You know, you record a dream, you write it down or something, and then later on in the day you listen back and you wow, I forgot all of that. But also how how useful and how memorable is is it? Um, like there's some dreams I remember from, you know, decades mm-hmm. ago. You know, they really seem to have truth. Yeah. And I was fascinated when Swedenborg says that uh, after you die, uh, the spirits who are talking to you will reference your dreams. Don't you remember that dream about the sunset? Mm-hmm. You know, really? I mean, come on, man. You know, <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> and so well, that's I, yeah, really intrigued that. me that like they have access to that data too, and and, uh, and so we'll be having discussions about those things that are <laughs> mysterious to us now. Yeah. But but some really seem to teach you something or want to get you to change your behavior or, or something. That that to me is is more from heaven, and some others are just from a dark place or just harassing you at night yeah. or whatever. Yeah. It's a good question because if, if, as Swedenborg says, all our thoughts and feelings are coming to us through spirits, then all then our imagination is a product of spirit. Um, but uh, my own experience is like yours, Chelsea. I, there's a couple of dreams I've had of people on the other side, and just the quality of light in the dream was different. Mm-hmm. The, the feeling of the dream was different than just the sort of run-of-the-mill dreams, and I have no idea what's true about it. It's just that those, I do have a few in my experience that stood out. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and I'm thinking about what, what Grace, wondering what Grace is referencing when spirit is actually contacting us. Is that yeah individual spirits or people, or is it like spirit in the broader oh, sense, right. like kind of the divine or something? Yeah. And I would say, um, just hearing what you were talking about, Jonathan, with that you could there's some kind of seed planted in a dream that later is useful to you spiritually it's almost like of course spirits in everything um but but how how is that going to show up i love the idea that i try to think about my life is being planned by god right i try to imagine that even though like ah but then why did this trash bag break you know like how does that (laughs) how is that possibly being planned by god but i love the idea of like this is going into your life and you will you kind of have no idea why it's there but it's still there it's kind of like with everything if you look at it like a video game it makes sense because in a video game if you're like going to walk into a room and there's some object there that you can pick up you know it's for something it's for something 
Something's right. going to come. Some, some later the game level will the give game. you this situation. Mm. But in life, I'm just like, what's this annoying thing? Get this out of the way. Why Why don't I have this right now that I wouldn't have to go through this? But I'm not thinking. I don't really believe at some level that it's like, no, this is this is the video game. You know, they didn't. the designer's not going to put this object here if you can't somehow use it to unlock something. Yeah. So I'm thinking it's got to be similar with dreams. I mean, in a way, we've made ourselves obsolete because we had this great episode, Where Dreams Come From, where Swedenborg lays out this kind of spectrum of super useful prophetic dreams from heaven all the way down to nonsensical dreams that are the ramblings of the spirits down to these deceptive dreams from hell and and kind of everything in between. I do. Uh, I want to have a use one of my extra thought cards. Sure, please do. Actually, you can have one of Jonathan's. Okay, thank you. (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah, in terms of... uh, Again, with the sort of feeling that you're left with from a dream, I just want to share this in case it could be helpful because I found it totally brought my own spiritual work to another level, which is that like nightmares that give you like the worst feeling and you wake up like literally sweating and terrified and you just want to forget that that ever happened or something or just be reminded that life isn't the way that you just dreamt it was or something. Um, I had always put those in the category of okay, that's just a nightmare, you know, like leave it alone or, or let go of it, you know, oh, some bubble from hell just, you know, burst in my yeah. spirit and I can just let it go and go on with my day. But those ones that, I think of it like the way Swedenborg says, angels um, get spiritual nourishment out of the word is that they only connect with the internal sense and the literal level is just totally shed from it. So they're like, what? Mm. Noah, you know, who, who is that? You know, mm. Jericho, what? They don't know any of those names they just are connecting with what the inner meaning is. And um, when I decide to journal and actually sort of humbly go to my nightmares and be like, what could, you know, the Lord be telling me through this dream? It takes a lot of work not to pay attention to the details or somehow you sort of like source this inner meaning from the details and the, the like messages I get from my nightmares I couldn't draw a line from here to here for you to make sense of it at all. And yet they are just these super potent, like, um, doses of like, here's something you could really think about and it ends up. And somehow the, the strong feeling of like terror is actually just like a signal of like, Oh, just pay attention. Like, it's not Mm. something to be afraid of, but it just is like, Mm. okay, there's something deep here and I need to dig for it. And, um, Mm. so that's just an interesting, you know, so many people want to, just get rid of the nightmares, you know, but mm-hmm. I just have found that they, when I just have the courage to like breathe in, like, let me get deep into those. It gives me like the most useful information for my mm-hmm. spiritual life that I feel mm-hmm. like I've had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything uh, should be spirit trying to contact us if we can read it right. I mean, so mm-hmm. it even, even the way that light bounces and the way that water tastes and everything right. is, is so, so wouldn't something like a nightmare have this potential communication and even if it was a bubble from hell nothing from hell is allowed up unless something good exactly right can come out of it right. so because Swedenborg, yeah the hell is like wait i was working for good this whole time i didn't even know it so um i feel like this is a pretty good conversation around around dreams um thanks grace great question let's let's go to our next one this is from mr bigger's a cat would it be true to swedenborg's beliefs that angels and satans live out their heavens and hells by living people's minds, and I think that's where it ends. Um, so let's just cut off that last and and imagine that he says, "Oh, m- minds, minds and, and lives." lives. Okay. okay. 
Now that changes everything. Okay, good. <laughs> Would it be true to Swedenborg's beliefs that angels and Satans live out their heavens and hells by living people's minds and lives? Like, are they using, mm-hmm. how I read that is, are they using our sort of mental terrain as a space in which they have their experiences? Because Swedenborg says there's, as we've been hinting at in every question, this intimate connection between heaven and us and hell and us. Yeah. Hmm. And I'll start by saying, weren't we just in our music episode, or art episode that we just did, talking about how when people are singing a certain song, the angels get really pumped up about oh, it. Oh, that's right. People so, on earth singing. And they, yeah. And and the so that, I would imagine it's not the physical sound, it's what's going on in the mind that, that stimulates. So there's, there's the, definitely this idea in Swedenborg that we are this foot-level thing for both heaven and hell just hell is standing upside down so without us they wouldn't we need them but they they need us as well but i don't know if it would go as far as everything that they're going through is lived out in our minds and lives to use my extra thought card um (laughs) but swedenborg certainly does say spirits in the world of spirits uh, think they're us man if this was someone's first time watching we're just like (laughs) here's something weirder here's something weirder um they think they're us because that is the way by which we can dwell closely enough with spirits that we can use them as sort of a um, non-moving point that we can pry ourselves out of our own evils and falsities. So in a certain way, um, some spirits do live out a part of their existence kind of in our mental landscape because they adopt our own things and think they're their own for a little while, but it's not their entire heaven and hell. Okay. Hmm. What do you guys think? Am I allowed to speak yet? Yes. yes. Okay. I don't want to take up too much. <laughs> the um, Number one, I think it's really true that both angels and evil spirits uh, uh, get excited when we're doing things that they love us to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, when we're doing a good thing, the angels sort of rush in, and when we're doing an evil thing or you know, watching a horrible movie or whatever it is, uh, you know, spirits like that will be attracted and they get excited. Um, Point number two, though, they're not allowed to just, they want to try to influence us to do what, especially the evil ones, but they can't actually make us do, like we have to stumble into the thing and then they'll get excited about whatever it is. But we have to start it. Otherwise, it would just be a torrent all the time. We would have no control. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something that Jesus took care of when he was in this world. He stopped a certain kind of physical possession that was going on. And um, so uh, there's a gap of some kind. And the third point is just that angels and evil spirits do have their own lives as well. You know, mm-hmm. they're like connected to us, but they have their own story going on that's not just they're living vicariously or something all the time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but they're super excited about whatever it is that we're doing that, that re- they resonate with yeah there's movies about angels or something that come to earth because it's the only way that they can have sensations or right. something like that yeah. right. which is not the way Swedenborg paints it right mm-hmm. that's right um and yet we are all always in the midst of spiritual community. I mean, we're always, while we're here, our minds are in heaven and hell or in our societies that we're, you know, uh, experimenting with being right. with. Or I don't have coherent thoughts. 
That, no, no, that was good. No, because fooled me. No, because we are in those communities right now. So there's like there's the, the line between our minds and their communities is blurry because yeah. like our state of mind is a lot of times our participation in those communities. You know, and that that we we are affected by where our spirit is located. So like we have different kinds of minds depending on which communities we're in. So it's it gets difficult when you ask like so is it just in our mind or in the spiritual world because I think one of the big messages of Swedenborg was like our mind is kind of our individual mental organs interacting with the input of the spiritual world. So it's like it's all it's all very distinguishably one, but it's it's much more one than you would think. It, our sort of mm. default worldview is we are these isolated right. little spaces. Like I am, I'm a self-contained consciousness, and all of you are too, and everyone else is. But Swedenborg is saying, like, nah, man, you're part of a system. Right. He says that if right. if we were to get cut off from our connection with spirits, we just wouldn't be alive. We'd just drop down dead. Like if they are our life, and we receive life from the lord and through that spiritual community like we can't be apart from it and yet it seems like like you were saying with being distinguishably one that's something the lord seems very good at is protecting identities (laughs) (laughs) and so people can have their own stories in the other world and everything like that's the careful ingredient is somehow there's this oneness and shared everything because ultimately it's all love and wisdom from the lord and yet this very careful this is you and that's you and you yeah. know those identity lines don't get blurred no they, they <laughs> yeah and and the people at the bottom of the food chain have more power than the in a way you know because otherwise it would be overwhelming you know so the the people like, at the like we're level, at the we're at the we're at the level. bottom of the food chain yeah yeah oh so Spiritual. we have the power about how much spirit comes in you mean or what do you mean yeah and that? also just like in the spiral episode uh, how you change you know which way your spiral is going and things like you know yeah we're at a point of choice right. here and and the lord has just established it in an amazing way that where um uh the weaker of the two parties has a control yeah. uh you know gets to right. make, make the choice yeah because it would just be Madness. Uh, otherwise, you're talking about weaker, like us versus the spiritual influence around us. Yes, yeah. that's right. I'm, even I'm in you. the case yeah. of Jesus, even though he had a divine soul when he was alive in this world, his physical self was calling the shots. Yeah, because it was the weaker of the two. You know, if the yeah. divine just flooded, you know, right, blow yeah. everything out. So, so it, it the the outside has has a measure of control. But uh, the picture I just got was like a sporting event in a big stadium where we're out on the field and we do something, then you hear the roar from the stands. You know, sometimes you can sort of oh, yeah. feel that excitement that from either heaven or hell about, what, you know, what you yeah. did. So. Yep. Uh, so, and there's, I feel like everything everyone says, I'm like, oh, I can think of another thing to say. I'll keep this brief. But it's like there, there's, there's all kinds of varying awareness levels that the spiritual world has uh, about us according to Swedenborg and sometimes I feel very confused as to how aware are they because there are certain times when he seems to talk about spirits with him uh, interjecting particular thoughts and trying to tell him try to get him to do particular things but at other times he says no they don't have they don't know what's really going on the evil spirits didn't realize they were causing evil it was just their nature that did it but then he's like more open than a regular person so it all ends up Mm. being super confusing and I like your I don't have coherent thought I thought 
we could like just have like a little bug right here yes, right. along the top. Should be the subtitle we, of the show. Because then we have that disclaimer, and nobody can call us out on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we beat you to it. We know. But it sh- that's again, that's how it should be. Because if, if Swedenborg is really describing the how reality works on this whole more expansive level, like hmm. just if I just read a few books on physics. I wouldn't be able to tell you guys everything about why it worked and how it works. So just because we're reading a few books with Swedenborg doesn't mean we know this thing inside and out. You know, we, we have some basics. And, and to me, I like that. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, hey, this this reminds me of the rest of life. It's too confusing for me to understand. And I or I think I understand it one way. And then when I get older, oh, no, 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 that's not really how it works. This is how right. it works. You mm-hmm. know? Here's a deeper mm-hmm. understanding. That's yeah. true. We can't know. Yep. Okay, so Mr. Binker's cat. Appreciate it. Uh, let's take a look at our, our next uh, party that we're going to start here. This one comes out of our live YouTube audience. Ekeen asks, when is violence for Christians an okay circumstance, if ever? And if spirits are violent with us, is God and angels violent toward that evil? Okay, so I'm, t- I'm taking this violence for Christians, like not like violence against Christians, but like, hey, I'm, I'm a Christian. Jesus says, turn the other cheek. Oh, yeah. Am I always turning the other cheek or what? And then and does that extend to the spiritual level? You know, is if uh, hey, so if some mm. spirit does come here and, and make me trip and something, is some angel going to sock him in the face to back me up, right? Right. Okay. Are you reading it like when is violence for Christians and okay? Like when is it okay for Christians to, to be to violent? Be violent. Right, to be violent. To be violent. Yes, yes. I think so. Yeah. Right. Because it, if it's if it's the other way, like when is it okay to be violent to Christians? Uh, you know, it's too dangerous to answer that question. Um, <laughs> no, so so yes. When when is it? How how do you take Jesus' statement to pray for those who who harm you? Um, mm. And and uh, how do you render that when it seems like their forceful action is the only way to stop something? Something. Okay, I uh, a thought that occurs um, is that uh, once when I was studying something in Swedenborg and reading something in the Word, it gave me this insight about how the Lord just protects what is good and is always in a protection mode, mm. and then and so in us, the Lord is just protecting the good parts of me and so that like what happens to evil spirits in that case is they just get sort of repelled by that protection and yeah. so it's not ever mm-hmm. violence against other people but sort of the the pain or anything that an evil spirit experiences while the lord is protecting is something that just comes from their own antagonism to to what is good and loving mm-hmm. but i don't know how that that's sort of a sort of spiritual spirit thing i don't know if that yeah 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 addresses anything really no that does it was we got half the question okay (laughs) the uh i think that uh swedenborg does talk about circumstances uh he makes a big distinction which i appreciate between self-defense as opposed to a preemptive strike Mm -hmm. or you know like if, uh, in terms yeah. of nature, <laughs> he talks about... I was getting you before you could get me, sorry. <laughs> there was uh, two nations, <laughs> and uh, one nation invaded the other. The nation that was being invaded, in in the, what he's describing, if I'm understanding it correctly, that nation could defend itself. That's Heaven's approach is that way, to defend itself when attacked, but it never goes on the attack. It's never the first one to, to, sure. make, to make the move. And you have, it seems like there just has to be 
self-defense as well as that divine protection that Chelsea was talking about um, in there. So it sounds like Swedenborg's view uh, allows for some sort of, you know, like it's not just a, a Quaker type completely passive sort of response in, yeah. in, in the way that I'm reading it. You know, I, what form does that take? I, I don't know. And the second part, I would say, Swedenborg repeats a number of times that evil has its own punishment within it. And I think all that happens is that God and the angels allow the consequence of that action to fall on itself, but they protect the evil against the punishment going farther than what they deserve from what they did. And it's the evil, not the good, who inflict, there are always other spirits hanging around who would get a lot of pleasure out of going ahead and tormenting you after you, you know, did something evil. Right. And so, again, it's that protection thing you were talking about, that the the, the Lord can't prevent that from happening because your evil removed you from that protection to that extent. So, so right. uh, you're going to fall into that. But it's never that um, they themselves are violent in a way they don't even have to be. They just let the... You know, they let the consequence mm -hmm. be, and only because it's good, and only to the extent that it's good. Yeah. That if it helps someone feel the consequence of their actions, and it's a teaching moment or something, you yeah. know, they, they'll allow that. But they, God is not angry and doesn't have a, you know, as, as much as Scripture might sound like he does, that's an appearance. Mm -hmm. he, he's not, he doesn't have an angry, violent streak. Right. And that's a whole conversation on its own. Yes. Carter, did you have thoughts? I'm just thinking about, his, uh, he does talk about in hell, you know, that spirits get punished when they, you know, step beyond certain lines. And But I, I, I just thinking about how it works between us and there uh, mm -hmm. is right. really mysterious to me. But, but the thought of God and angels being violent, doesn't compute. Probably not. Not on brand. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think, yeah. Think about um, the external action. It's tough to define anything by external actions. Like what? Like okay, if if I grab your arm to stop you from hitting someone, if I grab it too hard, is that gone into violence? So it's like, right. wh where do you draw the line with an external action? I think Swedenborg often puts the emphasis on the intent behind Intention. it. That that seems to be what matters that that it's you he even says if someone's trying to attack you you can take them throw them in jail um that could actually be a form of love if you're thinking in the end about their welfare and i think about if the spirit is violent with us is god and angels violent towards that evil it's really easy to get me curtis riled up about something if if somebody's i feel like there's some injustice somebody's done something wrong it's really easy for me to be like justice should you know like that's my first instinct is like oh who cares about the person who did it they deserve some kind of harsh punishment but god the opposite of curtis is like <laughs> imagine you had two kids and you really love them both and one of them punches the other one yeah. there's no feeling of like well i want to punch you it's just like wow this kid i need to protect this one i need to stop this kid but also uh, what am i going to do about this kid's behavior but that that's the, that god there's no imbalance of love between the worst mm -hmm. for the worst evil spirit versus the most innocent person in god so you it wouldn't even be that same kind of propensity to revenge there could be very forceful and zealous protection but the protection is equal parts love for both um mm -hmm. right. so 
I, I feel like when is violence for Christians an okay circumstance? Uh, it's it's almost like not not even about what's the action. It's about what's the intent, what's the motivation, and and when could you really say that you could do something like uh, a physically violent thing while you're still thinking as much about the person's welfare that you're doing it against. Um, you know, and, and that's that, then I'll, my last extra thought card. It's splitting too many hairs because in the moment, of course, somebody's go, someone's going to try to attack a kid. Or you're going to go after them. You just can't. You can't yeah. in the moment think like, now what am I doing? But it's like, in the long run, you know, you're not just thinking like I, this person no longer no longer matters. What happens to this other person? Okay. Yeah, and, and if you hold oh, the sorry. Oh, go ahead. Just my extra thought card about yeah. war. War is a good example of that first question. Yeah. But the, I don't know the answer. I mean, yes. people are violent in war. Right. And, and supposedly for good reasons. Yeah. But well, if, uh, if, you, if you have a whole country <laughs> that's like, well, we're going to draw the line at violence. We would never commit violence. You may end up super taken over or plundered. Uh, yeah, Maybe right, not, but it right, depends right. on... Yeah, so... Yeah. Okay. And uh, an important piece of the long story that you... Uh, you know, for the long haul, like in that moment... You know, react, do what has to be done, or whatever. But uh, an important part of the long haul is: Are you forgiving? I remember we talked about that on some show. Where uh, do you wish the person well, mm. or do you hold this bitter resentment, like you want to see the life crushed out of them? You know, Rediscovering forgiveness a, is the name of that show, by the that's way. That's good. Good. <laughs> such a good. Memory. I just no. I'm just trying yeah. to do as many commercials as we can. Chelsea, <laughs> right. I cut you off in the very beginning of this oh, question. Well, I was. Um, what it was bringing to mind is uh, something I read, and I think it's similar to what you were saying about a preemptive, or you know, if you're going to have this intent of committing violence for some like righteous cause or something, that would not. So often, actions that we take that end up as harm to another person are arising from our self, you know, mm. our self will, and we don't understand yeah. the bigger circumstance. You know, like if you are just rooted in love for others and love for the Lord, you wouldn't be a violent person. Right. Um, and yet we all have these s- sense of self that is entirely thinks of itself as righteous and wants to, you know, just get sort of have the world work the way it thinks it should. And so, I, which is only to mean that some people who are very good people can end up in a situation where in the circumstance, they might act out in a bad way. But it's almost like, like you were saying, if you're, if your kid is, you know, about to run into the road, you might grab him by the arm and say, ow, mom, stop, you know, yeah. or something. You're hurting me. Yeah. And it's like, well, I've saved your life right there. <laughs> um, and yeah. so, um, but like, I don't want to hurt my kid, but if I grab them in a moment or something, that's not yeah. a great example. But what I'm trying to get at is that how we, what we think about, after we've taken the action mm. is what can end up mattering more. Mm. Like you can end up yeah. in a situation and you were violent and you felt, you know, right, like, do you confirm yourself? And like that violence, oh, I love seeing that person yes. suffer. They are such a horrible person, you yes. know, and now they're getting what they deserve. And, you know, or is it that, how do you feel afterwards in terms of like, you know, praying for another person, like in the forgiveness show and, not wanting to be a source of violence in the world, you know, yeah. and yet whatever, you know, just that there's no. an ongoing yeah. it's a really good cycle point. of moments and stuff. And, and there's there's a particular the God and the angels never have to practice a violence because they have a uh, 
what you might call a, a weapon uh, called divine truth, which mm-hmm. is so potent and so uh, opposite and uh, hard for evil spirits to take that Swedenborg describes them just a feeling like a vulture is tearing their heart right out of their chest in the presence of divine truth. You know, yeah. that's the way evil spirits feel in the presence of this thing. Mm. So they don't have to lift the hand or threaten or scowl. You know, just the divine truth just it just takes takes care of it 100%. Um, so that when it says in Scripture that the people say, to the rocks and you know fall on us and hide us from the face of the you know the wrath of the lamb and all that stuff that that's just about divine truth how terrifying it is so they don't have to lift their hand in, in violence mm. just the divine truth yeah and i want to um, has that power <clears throat> close on something a point you you touched on chelsea which was um if you're somebody because i think there is a problem with people thinking okay my religious convictions justify me going and doing preemptive violence you know so i would think that that um, I couldn't. I, I was glad you said a minute ago, Chelsea. This is a bad example because I have another bad example. Okay, good. <laughs> um, which is like, say you wanted to liquidate your four hundred one k, and you were thirty three or something. You're gonna Horrifying. you're gonna pay a really heavy penalty for that, right? Like it's even if you want a new car, so it's almost you. There's never a good idea. Like almost <laughs> never. Like you gotta be. It's gonna be extraordinary circumstances. So really, like no matter how much you feel it, really check yourself out. Like liquidate. You're gonna lose thousands of. It's like that with with religiously motivated or like violence that you feel like is justified by something. Like yeah. there's just like you've got like there, the chances of you feeling like I've got to go do this giant thing because other people have suffered and this is gonna make it right. The chances of that actually being legit and not being some form of love it's just like this is universally a bad idea maybe one out of a million times it's needed but like really really watch yourself so it's a terrible metaphor that the 401k for that but they're both bad ideas no it got me okay okay good okay so let's move on Let's go, let's go to our next question. I hope question. that's helpful, Ekeen. Yeah, Ekeen. Ekeen has left the chat. Samuel asks, does Swedenborg ever describe a correspondence between the different climates of the physical world and how different people experience the Lord more or less intensely? Mm. Man, this is good. We have like a straightforward answer to this one, I feel like. Yeah. Well, you guys agree? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I want to just jump in and say that this question relates to the last one in a way because there is such this discrete difference, I feel like, between what's going on in the spiritual world and then how does that actually pan out and how we should make choices in the physical world, you know, or like, mm. how do we really, well, then does that mean, should we be involved in this war or not, or this or that, you know, like, sure. how do we interpret that? And so similarly, just with this question, it's like, there definitely are correspondences. And yet, that doesn't mean that people who are living in a certain cold part of the world or something are like, bad partners people. Like the one we're in right now. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Swedenborg has a, a passage that I find quite um, amusing uh, about a place in the far north in the spiritual world uh, where there are people who are uh, very devoted to their uh, religious persuasion, but they don't practice it at all. There's no love in their hearts. And so it's super, super cold. And he describes they're just having to, you know, like the whole church that they're in is buried in snow and people oh, to, shoveling and yeah. shoveling to get, get it all out. And then these, he describes these terrifying horses with carriages that come up, pulling the people up to, to church. And then he describes the sort of absurd sermon that takes place there and everything. And um, uh, 
So he absolutely does describe a correspondence and even says that the climate in the spiritual world um, gets more and more towards springtime and, and the night gets light. It's not as dark and the winter's not as harsh. And it's like there's overall uh, spiritual, a good kind of warming in the spiritual world yeah. uh, over time. Uh, and so he describes... You know, people who love the word live in these sort of garden paradises and and people, you know, the different things that you love. And so he's often describing things in those kind of terms, deserts where there's only thorns. And uh, that one line I remember from translating it because it made me laugh that over their huts fly miserable screeching birds. <laughs> and so, that's so you, you know. But that's yeah, spiritual so world, climate. not physical world. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So there's a there's a correspondence in the sense that in the other world the true way that you are in your spirit does reflect climatic conditions around you. Yeah. But that doesn't work here. And that's the, that's a concept that I feel like is very hard to get across mm-hmm. unless you've like learned it over and over and over mm-hmm. again. Which is that the physical world is an entire model of the spiritual world. Everything in the spiritual world happens right. in the physical world, but in the physical world, it's physical. It happens for physical reasons. You know, like yes. like right. in the spiritual world, it's spiritual reasons. Here, you move to uh, California because you got a job offer there, right? But in the spiritual world, you move to somewhere that's warmer because you're experiencing more. Of the, the Lord's love, so it doesn't translate at all. We can learn about Lord's love and wisdom and how it affects life through how it plays out here, but there's not a one-to-one. Just like we were talking about when we did the show about disease, and yeah. Because diseases uh, are, are sort of representations, or you could even call them side effects of the the sickness in the human heart and mind that it, that it has its basis in the spiritual world, doesn't mean if you get a cold, it's because there's something wrong with your moral life at the moment. So it's confusing to talk about without really digging into it extremely. But there there is this, once you get the basic concept, which is, oh, this is all telling us about, this is all a model by which we can learn about the spiritual world. There's so much cool stuff in there because it's not just that there's cold climates that are inhospitable to life and hot climates that are hospitable. As you were saying, there's the balance of water as well. And that, and that just like the absence or presence of heat is sort of like when there's more love in your heart or less love and how that affects the water is the truth that you can have all this passion, but you don't have the right principles and you're dying spiritually of thirst, which is like you don't have a, a spiritual life. So that is cool. And eventually we got to make one of these, like, get David Attenborough and do, like, the the, the world of correspondence. What is the right. physical world teaching us about the heart and mind? That would be mm. my, yeah. my, my happiest day. <laughs> okay. Um, so, any any other uh, thoughts or feelings about Samuel's question? Just that, like you said, this world teaches us. So, I think here we're supposed to experience these different things or learn about them, see a show or a movie. Oh, that's a hot climate. This is what a desert's like. This is what a jungle's like. This is what the Arctic is like and that kind of thing. Uh, because that will teach us things in the spiritual world. And it's 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 how you have your mind has to learn concrete things first. It's just like the um the the dreams need to be sewn in there. It's because oh wow Hey, that's my phone going off. Um, that's just that's a first, I think. On yeah. The show. Um, oh, because when you have it silenced, but you have an alarm. That's right. Um, uh, but w- what I'm saying is, 
you need to first learn like, oh, that's what it's like to be warm before you can then be told. So, right. so you know what warm is like? Well, God's love is like warmth in your heart. You know, <laughs> you know what you know the difference between lights on and off in a room, and how that changes the way you feel about the room. It changes the way you can walk through that room. That's right. Okay, you know that you've got tangible experience. Now, guess what? That's what the truth does in your mind. You couldn't just start with "Here's what truth does in your mind" because you wouldn't have any foundation mm-hmm. for it. Mm-hmm. Does anyone mm-hmm. want to talk while I turn this alarm? <laughs> it's going to go off again in eight minutes. Okay, that's great. Well, I don't know what the full thought is on it, but I. Uh, like to think about that everything can have a good and evil correspondence. Mm. And so there's something, uh, you know, beautiful and amazing about, you know, a desert ecosystem, you know, Mm. and then similarly like an Arctic ecosystem. and, and, uh, And I don't know how that, how that, uh, pans out, you know, in the spiritual world, but it's, yeah. I, I love that we can appreciate those climates here. No, so it was, pro- my, yeah. my phone alarm was Providence, because I'm glad you brought that up, because I love the desert. When I went there, I felt like so good. I love oh, the plants that are there. And so it's got to be something like that. This is what it's like when you're in temptation. There's, there's this amazing spiritual work going on, or sort of like, because I think we've said this before in a show, but when you're in the desert, loving the desert, you've got enough water. I mean, like, like right, I, yeah, right, I love right. the desert because I can bring a water bottle and drink it and go yes. home. Like, so that's got to be like the state of seeing some part of life, but having the truth inside you. So you're, because if I was actually like in the desert surviving, like it, it would feel different to me. Yep. <laughs> um, but, but, but no, but it's a great point because, yeah, there's, there's something gorgeous about the Arctic. And oh, the absolutely. Yeah. And, and snow. And, and yeah, the right. world is better gorgeous. for having all that stuff in it. Like mm-hmm. I, I like animals, and I'm, if it was all one, the, the, you know, the really nice climate, oh, ecosystem. You, your your biodiversity would go way down. The mm-hmm. story of life would be less. So it's all contributing somehow. So, right, like the spiritual yeah. world is going to have as much variety, yeah, at, of flora and fauna, you know, and it, yeah, <laughs> right. yeah, cool. yeah, and more it's not... variety, and but have that balance of love and wisdom, or water in the desert. Yes. I'm trying to think of that Bible quote that's like, "Rivers of water in the desert, highways." or something I don't remember that's exactly how it's <laughs> desert yeah we know our make, bible don't we make straight yeah. and desert a highway for our God yeah, yeah. okay Samuel was that what you were hoping when you asked this question okay let's go to our next one but cool I appreciate everyone's thoughts Donna Bratt asks what is the difference between spiritual and religious mm. Mm. does Swedenborg mm. say anything Interesting. usually I'll say like oh if someone mm. happens to ask me what do I do I say well I just like make videos and then they're like about what well spiritual stuff you know yeah because spiritual has a little less baggage around it these days than religious and was spiritual even a much of a did it mean anything in swedenborg's day Not, you know was there yeah. only religious that, yeah there, and so he uses this word spiritual all the time yeah. but not to say like well, I'm Swedenborg. I'm spiritual, but not religious. But really. So, so somebody do some unpacking on that, Jonathan. All right, I'll take a swing. The um, yeah, it's a very interesting distinction these days uh, yeah. because of the feeling that religious. Uh, I don't know what all it means to people, but it seems to be identified with a certain level of hypocrisy or judgment of others. Oppression. Yeah, yeah, right, right, domination and and things like that. And um, whereas spiritual is like you're doing your work, you're working your program, whatever it is, you know, living living by your code and so on. 
Um, Swedenborg to Swedenborg, the word religion is still a good word. He does say uh, that there's nothing more beautiful. I'm paraphrasing, but it, it's a pretty close to a quote. There's nothing more beautiful than a good religion, and there's nothing fouler than a bad one. Yeah. And so nice. I think he would say, well, I hear you. If you're talking about like bad religion, yeah, bad religion, like don't be that. You know, yeah. that, that's, they, they, they're sort of like potatoes. You know, when they rot, they, they go really, yeah, really rot. really bad. I, <laughs> I just want to cut in because I was just having a conversation with somebody who was saying that, yeah, relig- he thinks religion is the most potent tool to affect the human mind for good or for evil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, go ahead. Wow, yeah. that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a powerful quote. Uh, to Swedenborg, it took me a long, long time to realize this, but religious to him, I think the whole word religion, because he talks about religion, then he talks about church, and they're kind of two different things to him. And I think church to him means actually, that's his word for the system of thought, the teachings, the body of teachings, and the religion Often I find when you find that word in his in his Latin text, you can substitute the words religious practice because he's to all religion is of life and mm-hmm. the life of religion is to do good. Mm-hmm. So he's actually talking about a practice, whereas today when we talk about religion, it's more become kind of this thought structure and that other people are bad and wrong or, sure. or something. You know, I don't know that he's that people are always thinking about religious practice when they when they. Um, talk about so those are both good words i think he felt that a lot of what was going on in the name of religion in his time was not spiritual he's yeah. pretty adamant about yeah. about that there was a lot of you know bad religion a that sort he of, was describing um, in uh, parallel terms that come to mind of what swedenborg talks about is to spiritual and religious how we read those words in our culture today um, is what he describes as internal worship and external worship mm. so he talks about internal worship is your is your life you know it's like how are you going to treat that person when you you know when they cut in front of you <laughs> in the, in, on the road or something yeah. um you know just how you actually how does how does love actually inform how you live and how do you use the ideas that you have to live out and make choices in your life um and then external worship he'll um is kind of the forms like oh yeah and i some go to church or i do this practice religious practices you know the external forms of worship um and he his whole thing about the new church and correct me if i'm wrong is that this the new church is this um having a regroundedness in the reality of internal worship within external forms of worship or just the external life that we live in whether it's a, in a church or not but just having this vivified experience of internal worship and understanding what that is and living out those principles and i so i think in our world today people say i'm spiritual but i'm not religious that to me what that cues up in my mind is okay so you really pay attention to how how you want to live and what principles you want to live by and and you value you know kindness and charity but you're not you know tick not han saying um you know my religion is kindness Mm -hmm. you know like that's internal worship and like um and that that external worship only serves that is only meant to serve that internal worship. It's not meant to be what is determining who's in and who's out. Um, it's meant to support us in our ability to show up with love in our lives to others. And so, um, I feel like it's sort of a good sign that we're sort of in a grand way moving towards this 
right. balance between that spiritual and religious. And the essence of it is loving and being useful to others. You know, yeah. it's not about doctrinal purity or something. It's, it's, right. it's loving and being useful. I feel like there's somewhere, but I can't, I can't quite remember the, what the context, but somewhere in Swedenborg he talks about uh, that the definition of a spiritual life is approaching the Lord alone, uh, loving the truths of the church and doing the goods of the church. Is this not, is this, am I right about it that? sounds right mm-hmm. to me. Some, it's an yeah. old translation. Uh, yeah, 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 yes, pardon me, yeah, yes, yeah. doing its goods. Um, so <laughs> spiritual, because sometimes when I think of spirits, I just think, well, your spirit is what's not your body, you know, it's mm-hmm. your thought and your and your feelings, and um, and that seems like a real easy distinction between body and spirit but that doesn't quite get all the way to spiritual to me yeah. without getting some kind of uh, the dimension of god in there somehow mm-hmm. yep mm-hmm. yep absolutely and i i feel like swedenborg is this fascinating blend of spiritual and religious mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that he says like a lot you know any any faith system provided there's love and it can be a path to, to God. You know, everybody, the true church is this thing that's inside you and you live it. That, you know, life, afterlife is different for everyone based on... Um, <clears throat> that's all stuff we would associate with being spiritual. But he's also right. like laying out the Trinity and talking about the Bible. And he's he's and I think that's why no one likes him because <laughs> he's got so much of both. He's in doing there both, right? That, that um and to him it was this seamless marriage. Like a lot of the concepts that we now my religion is kindness. Mm-hmm. That he's saying, Yeah, your religion is kindness and baptism is, does cool stuff. Um, like, <laughs> that's you know, right. Right. Ritual and ritual. Like, yeah, the ritual's important. Yeah. yeah. Right. So so what a good question to ask about Swedenborg. That was a really good one. He mm. talks about the difference, but he's saying these are two, you're describing two tails on the same donkey. What do people, is there a, <laughs> anyway, let's, let's see if we can get one more quote. question in yeah. before the end of, Thanks, the, uh, Donna of the show. Thank you so much, Donna. Okay, this last one is from our friend uh, Malachias asks, do spirits need food and water? Mm-hmm. Well, spiritual yes. nourishment. Yeah. They yes. do, they but do. they don't need physical water. And food. They physical don't need to scrounge around here. And it's not as simple as, well, they just go in their spiritual fridges and have spiritual water because water and food, like everything else there, are sort of different, right? So does anyone want to talk a little bit about what mm. that is? Yeah, he, he talks about uh, hunger in the spiritual world as being a major motivator of people's actions, you know? The people being driven by their their hunger and so on. Uh, he talks about for angels that things of wisdom and intelligence and knowledge are nourishment, and you can even hear that in the way that you know people use idioms in English mm-hmm. that they say that was a really uh, satisfying talk or mm-hmm. yeah I got a lot out of that or I'm gonna have to I digest was really that. Fed by that. Yeah, I was fed by oh, yeah. what you said and that kind of thing. And so they need the spiritual equivalent of it just as much as we need physical uh, food and water. Uh, so that's that's a big deal in the other world, I think. And again, all I can think of is the hell part where I think they have to work uh, to, eat. Let, let you, to eat. Yeah, if they can't just hang around being nasty all the time. If they want to eat, they've got to work 
yeah, yeah. A motivator. Like, yeah. Like, well, yeah, that's that, right. That brings me to a point of confusion about how he describes it because he does seem to say that instead of water, there you have truth, and that truth truth quenches your spiritual thirst, and the goodness quenches your spiritual hunger. But he'll often talk about it also like that, like if you don't do this thing because in hell it's you know you got to have a carrot motivating you in order to do decent things so you don't get food if you don't work just like here so what is that food so i guess goodness sort of manifests as food but they i don't totally always feel like i understand exactly how those Mm. two those two definitions intersect and i think it helps me to know that there are still appearances in the spiritual world like that there is the appearance of time and the appearance of space Mm -hmm. and I, as far as I, I've never experienced eating in like a spiritual dream or anything like that, you know, like I've never experienced it firsthand, so I'll be very curious, yeah. but like, but it, the fact that there's, there is the, even though he says, you know, he says very wise angels have these beautiful gardens because the fruit and the plants and all this stuff, they have orchards because all of that corresponds to some kind of wisdom. Um, and, uh, and so similarly, like, the better food is the more higher mm-hmm. loves and wisdom and stuff. And yet there's there's still the appearance of having food and... Uh, the object you can... Yeah, yeah. And, and handle and smell and enjoy. I mean, he was given gifts of grapes and oh, yeah, you know, right. things like that in his mm-hmm. uh, spiritual experiences or his experiences in the, in the spiritual world. And so um, I think it's kind of funny, actually, because in our world were like, well, where would you go for food? Do you like, like do, do, do they have fridges in the spiritual world? You know, and it's like, we live on this planet that is just growing food for us all the time. Yeah. And like, so we wonder, oh, where does it come from? You yeah. know, it's just there. Yeah. Like, we didn't come up with seeds. Yeah. Like, what is this? Mm-hmm. And so in the spiritual world, like, is it, it's going to be like, where did this food come from? Oh, I don't know. It just grew here. Just yeah. was here. You know, yeah. I walked outside and I found this great squash. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's that's going to be the first thing I say. That's <laughs> yeah. a really good squash. I, I thought there was only squash in hell. <laughs> okay, before no, we, I love before squash. We get I'm sorry. All from the squash lobby. We're, we're out of time. Uh-huh. We, I mean, do they want to again. use their last card here? Or we we feel pretty good. I, I have minus three cards. Okay, <laughs> so so there's there's an answer, and we hope you've enjoyed all of our sort of answer things that we've done here today. I I've like really enjoyed getting to talk about it, think about it, and know that you guys are thinking about it enough to ask questions and and, and hopefully digest. This stuff with us visit the food. <laughs> yeah. If you if you want to if you want to make this show possible, consider joining us on Patreon. Patreon, there's our site there. You can just for the measly price of a dollar per episode, uh, help support and make this possible. And we'll give you little kickbacks like behind the scenes kind of stuff, candid look into our thinking. You know, not like this one um, where, where we're all polished and professional. So that's just a way that, that we can make this go because we're a nonprofit and, and that's how this whole thing works. We'll be back next week with a full episode of Swedenborg and Life where it's coming up on Christmas. So we're going to be talking about mm. why Swedenborg does say that Jesus Christ was God. So why would God be born, not just onto this world, but why start as a little baby like everyone else? Like why didn't he just beam down as a full-on God with superpowers already? Right. Why go through this same cute little process <laughs> that we all do? So we're going to answer that coming up. Thanks everyone. Have a great week. 
Swedenborgan Life is Amy Aquarola, Morgan Beard, Curtis Childs, Karen Childs, Matthew Childs, Alexa Cole, John Connolly, Cara Dom, Chris Dunn, Stuart Farmer, Ben Keyes, Reed McArdle, Chelsea Odner, Jonathan Rose, Shiloh Silverman, and Shada Sullivan. <laughs>